At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year oh no hello everybody welcome back to reign of troy radio episode 371 coming to you on wednesday june 24th we're gonna talk about the latest in usc football including the plan for the trojans to come back to campus amid the covid19 pandemic to get ready for the 2020 usc football season that and so much more, including a huge mailbag on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Troy at fansite.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1USC. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratol. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. It is another week. Uh, we didn't have a show last week. Uh, a bunch of stuff going on, um, but also not much going on. Uh, you, you've been you've been hiking a lot. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I've I'm gearing up for a big backpacking trip uh, this upcoming weekend. I was supposed to hike Mount Whitney or backpack Mount Whitney, as it were. And they've gone ahead and canceled all of those permits, so I'm doing another hike in the area instead because I already had a hotel booked for the night that I was going to need to stay over there um, in order to begin my backpacking trip. So, yeah, I've been trying to do acclimation hikes and all sorts of other stuff in, in the flurry after the quarantine to get back into hiking shape enough to do a 14K peak, my first 14K peak. So, uh, you know, people can wish me good luck on that one. I'm certainly looking forward to it. So at what point do you go from 14K to K2? <laughs> Never. Uh, my my boyfriend has actually forbid me from trying to do K2. And That's probably a good idea. That is uh, not uh, totally like unwarranted because I would never do. I don't like I would. I am not interested in doing K2. So you don't want to be one of those people who, who like climbs these uh, these 8000 meter uh 
mountains with with no oxygen? No, I'm not that much of a thrill seeker. I do want to start doing snow hikes, uh, and I have crampons and an ice axe to to start uh, learning that skill. But I am definitely not interested in in those extreme. Can I, can I tell you that I hate peaks. the word crampons? Crampons. Crampons. Not a not, not a, a fan. It's not a great word. It, I won't argue that. Too many too many gross words close to it, like tampons and croutons. Plus, <laughs> what's like, wrong with croutons? Just the worst kind of bread, by the way. It's just like <laughs> let, let's have this old, stale, hard, hard as rock bread. Like, like who wants? Who likes that? I like croutons in a salad. What's the point? There, it's just it's texture and flavor. And... It's it's trash. That's what it is. Anyways, <laughs> also, why don't you just call them clampons? You clamp them on your feet. They're clampons. I didn't choose what these equipment things are. are I'm just saying. Are named. Like, I don't get really a choice in these things. Also, technically, what I own are micro spikes. See, that sounds cool. There you go. That sounds very cool. Very cool. Um, But before we we get into this episode, um, and this is going to be an awful transition. Um, I feel like... I am waiting for the episode we do when we don't have to have an awful transition I, into I something really sad and serious. I know. It's, um, I mean, not to make light of 2020, but this is the theme of, of 2020, as, as, as terrible as it is. Um, bad news this weekend. Uh, speaking of hiking, unfortunately, uh, Max Turk, uh, former USC offensive lineman, freshman All-American, Pac-12 first team all-teamer in 2014. He played tackle, he played guard, he played center for the Trojans. Uh, He's no longer with us. Uh, He passed away after a Father's Day weekend hike with his parents, which sounds like the coolest idea ever um, to do that with your parents. Uh, A a sweet gesture, and ultimately it ends up an incredibly sad one. Um, and tragic for the Turk family, and our heart goes out to anyone that was close to Max. It, it's this is not the stuff that we should be talking about. Uh, a no. a twenty-six year old passing away should not be stuff that we talk about on the podcast because it, it's it's too he's he's too young to go, man. Yeah, and and it's just really sad. His NFL career had ended, but it, you know the LA Times did a uh, a little bit of a feature on him, and they were showing you know he had lost his football weight and he seemed to be doing okay and um yeah you just to be hiking with your with your dad on father's day weekend and then to have something go horribly wrong um the la times had a they interviewed his parents i think and they added some more detail that they were hiking um this one of the bigger peaks in the cleveland national forest and so it was going to be a challenge for them. Um, I looked up the the hike. It was you know thirteen and a half miles. It's not a not a short little thing. And apparently, it just something something went wrong on the way down. And that's the sad thing about um, life. You know, sometimes things can go wrong, and and uh, these tragedies come out of nowhere. And it's hard to sort of make sense of something when a twenty six year old dies on a on a hike like that especially you know as me an avid hiker like it's hard not to th- i mean i was literally hiking on saturday i was uh in the middle of the wilderness hiking and uh you know it could really happen to anybody at any time but 
it's also a reminder, um, and I, I put this on Twitter, it's a reminder that uh, if you are going to be out in the wilderness, if you are going to be hiking, especially as we enter the, the summer months, just make sure that you have everything you can to to prevent something like this from happening. We obviously don't know what underlying conditions were at play with Max Turk. Um, it sounds like they maybe were low on water or had run out of water, so always, 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 whether you're going to the beach or going out uh, on a hike anywhere, always have enough, you know, bring more water than you think you need is, is my uh, philosophy. Um, but, uh, you know, there are elements also to this and to life that you can't control, which is the scary thing, right? Like sometimes things just happen. And uh, with Max Turk specifically, it will be interesting. His, I know his family is sending his brain off to get testing for uh, CTE. So that will be something that we will have to check back in with, with this, unfortunately, uh, down the line to find out what the results of those tests were. But um, it just sucks that we can be doing a test for CTE on someone like Max Turk at this stage. Like it's just sad. Yeah. It is a sad story all around. Um, Completely awful. And um, like we said, our hearts go out to the Max Turk family um, there was a statement that USC put out from the Max Turk family that said uh, that he had died on June 20th, 2020, while hiking with his parents on his favorite trail in the Cleveland National Forest. Max loved his teammates, coaches, and schools. Max was a loving son and older brother, and his passing leaves a giant hole in our hearts. His strength and work ethic is an inspiration to many. I think that's well said. And, um, yeah, we will always remember Max Turk. Yeah, this is definitely one of those um, those moments where you, all you can say really is is rest in peace, and I hope that his fi- is, hope that his family uh, is able to find peace at some point down the line. One hundred percent. We'll be, we'll be back in a minute. All right, Alicia, before we get to the news, uh, we want to get to a couple of new reviews we got in Apple Podcasts. As always, you can leave us reviews in Apple Podcasts, help grow the show. Uh, give us five stars, we'll be your best friend ever if you, if you do that. Uh, and we got two new reviews. First one, Lenny Griswold gave us five stars and said, good content, really appreciate all the content during the quarantine, very insightful and enjoyable to listen to. Thank you, Lenny. Yeah, thank you very much. We're we're glad we we have to admit we've struggled a little bit during this quarantine uh, for content and and uh, all sorts of you know issues with not having football to talk about. So very much appreciate everybody who stuck with us uh, throughout this, and hopefully we will have more things, more football to talk about in the future. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, next one comes from Top DJ One, who says in a four star review, bookstore. Has never sold named jerseys. Michael, please. The only names on jerseys you will ever see are from unlicensed online internet dealers. If you go into the bookstore or check the bookstore website for the last 50 years, you'll see I'm right. Uh, Thanks for the review. Thanks for the stars. Uh, This is one of those cases where I listened, Top DJ. I went to the website. I went to verify to see if I was correct. And uh, yeah, uh, USC's bookstore is selling for $100 a USC number three Palmer game jersey. 
that is a number three home cardinal jersey that says Palmer on the back. Uh, because you can what, confirm the visual image. We literally of this have a screenshot, screenshot of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so SC does this. I, I believe it's a Nike thing um, of past players. Uh, they can if they're going to put out a jersey. Uh, wink, wink, not for a current player, but, you know, it's kind of for a current player. They're just going to put out a number. If they are going to do it for a past player, there's always a name on the back. Uh, my hypothesis forever has just been that, that was, that's their way of, of potentially giving a kickback to that player slash making sure it's specifically for that player, which, which again, is, is really stupid because um, if it's Nike that, that's initiating this thing, don't sell those jerseys and pick better numbers to sell. Um, that you can normally sell in the bookstore. Because if you just had a number three and sold a number three, people would buy that for Keyshawn Johnson. They'd buy it for Curtis Conway. They'd buy it for Carson Palmer. And you put a, a Palmer on the back. There's also a number two Adoree Jackson jersey being sold. Why? Number two is like one of the best jerseys in USC football history because it can mean literally anybody. I have a number, a nameless number two, uh, from it's great from my days as a student. And, and who is when, it? It's it, it's Taylor Mays. It was Taylor Mays, but I don't. No, I certainly it, bought Steve it for Smith. Steve Smith. So uh, actually, it's Kareem Kelly. Yeah. No, wait a minute. It's Robert Woods, Adore Jackson. Yeah, Elijah uh, Griffin. Um, I think uh, Marley Drury. I think one. I want to say wore number two as well. You didn't uh, wear that kind of jersey. Well, not that kind of jersey, but, uh, but, but still, it's a great like, jersey. It really is. It's a is. flexible number. That's what makes the number fantastic. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, go look at the bookstore. You'll, you'll, you'll see that they're actually selling names uh, on the back of jerseys and is utterly disgusting that that happens. So, uh, anyways, let's get into the news, shall we? So let's begin with USC releasing a plan for a return to campus. This is a three-phased plan. Phase one begins on June 24th. Yes, today. Local players within a one-hour commute can return but cannot stay on campus. Phase two, targeted for July 6th. Non-local players can return and stay on campus. And Phase 3, targeted for July 13th, new and incoming players can come to campus. The plan includes a pre-participation process, COVID-19 health and safety protocol information sessions. That includes a Trojan Learn training module, if the sign a risk and shared responsibility acknowledgement form, pass an annual pre-participation physical, undergo COVID-19 testing, which will be repeated weekly. Positive tests will result in a quarantine of the testee and anyone they came into contact with. Uh, Athletics facility access has some interesting quirks here. No locker rooms, showers, or lounges will be open. The weight room will be divided into two areas with a limit of eight players at a time plus a strength coach and trainer. Equipment is sanitized after each use. Players must pass daily symptom questionnaire undergo temperature checks, wear face coverings, practice physical distancing, sanitize hands regularly, and wear a wristband showing approval for entry. 
Upon entry, they must toss laundry from the previous day into a laundry bin, place personal belongings in assigned baskets, and retrieve personal water bottles and towels for the day. Upon exit, they must sanitize hands and equipment, drop off personal baskets, towels, and water bottles, retrieve clean laundry for the next workout, and pick up to-go meal and nutrition supplements. Uh, Off-campus behavior uh, says that, quote, student-athlete behavior off-campus will be a major point of emphasis and clear expectations will be established. Athletics administrators and head coaches will work collaboratively to hold student-athletes, staff, and other coaches accountable to the guidelines. Outside of athletics facilities, student-athletes will be expected to practice physical distancing at all times, wear a face covering at all times, unless alone in a private space, avoid group gatherings both on and off campus, limit interactions with individuals outside of USC, practice clean hygiene, rigorously clean frequently touched surfaces, complete their wellness checks honestly, and immediately report any symptoms. Alicia, that's the plan, Stan. What's your thoughts? Well, uh, a lot of it uh, mirrors what we've seen from other programs around the country, which is interesting because we're about to talk a little bit more detail about what's going on at other programs in the country as well. Um, it seems it seems like a, a good plan insofar as a plan can be good, uh, inso- insofar as a plan that requires players to come to campus but then leave. Uh, the USC is not attempting to create a bubble while players are involved in voluntary workouts. Um, it's important to note that because they are voluntary workouts for the time being, that players can decline to return without any repercussions to their scholarship status or financial aid. So uh, that's good. Some some players that are in higher risk situations might not, uh, dis- you know, might might not want to come back to campus. But uh, you know, I, I'm not. I feel like all of these plans, and and maybe I'll just jump into the the sort of COVID nineteen stuff from around the country. All of these plans are like the best laid plans that that you know what what's the what's the I don't remember what the phrase is. The best laid plans go awry or I don't know. That's not the phrase. Either way, the sentiment is is true. You have LSU have 30 players in quarantine because of the virus. You have Clemson in quarantine with 23 players and two staff members because of positive tests. Kansas State had to shut down football operations for two weeks because they had 13 players test positive. Houston shut down football operations after six players tested positive. Those are just the ones that were brought up by SI's Tony Barnhart in an article I I picked up. So, I mean, maybe what USC is doing with this plan is more thorough. Maybe they'll be more on top of it. Uh, Maybe, 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 maybe. But I I look at all these other places and I just, I worry that um, this is the, you know, the the, the cat's not going to be able to get kept in the bag. Yeah. I I would feel much better about the plan if they were creating a bubble. And I know that creating a bubble is going to be hard enough as it is, but I think that's the only way you can you can really have confidence in being able to pull this off because I, I think that if you have a bunch of positive tests and we can expect those, uh, I would be shocked if there wasn't a USC player that tested positive, right? If the, if they had a bunch of positive tests, but they were all in a bubble and they were getting quarantined and they were getting treated by um, the university medical staff and all that stuff, you can make an argument that this is the best 
possible scenario. And you allow them to get healthy, and then you seal off everything, and then no one else will have contact. And then if somebody does have contact from somewhere, you isolate them and, and, and whatnot. But you're allowing players, local players, to go home every night. And not just allowing, mandating. Yeah. So, what is going to happen? What is stopping um, these players' parents and families um, from from you know not following these guidelines? Like, I, I think that you know telling them they have to wear a mask at all times unless they're alone in a room is the right way to go. But but that only goes so far. Like like that well, even that isn't completely foolproof. So. And they could be going, restaurants are now open. They could be going to restaurants. They yeah. could be going. Or their, their family could go to restaurants. Like yeah. The, even if the player does everything right and stays home completely, what's stopping their family from doing something? Or what's stopping their family from, you know, coming across someone who did go out into into the world and and got the thing? Like, it, it is very difficult. Um, and also, how many, how many players have access to transportation to get in, right? Yeah. What what's that situation going to mean? Are they going to have to? Uh, who knows? Will, will players have to transport? Uber in or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Like, and that opens up a can of worms. Like, I I understand that that you know the the voluntary status makes things a little bit different here, and and there's NCAA rules and all that stuff, but it's all worrisome for for me right now. I feel so much more confident in the system if there was an actual bubble that you could you could fall back on. Yeah, and and I just want to make it clear because I see this a lot on on Twitter and on Facebook and a lot of the I made the I make the mistake of reading the comments which pro tip never read the comments. Um but there's a lot of people who I think misinterpret the worry about teams having outbreaks of COVID-19. There's a lot of people who want to point out the mortality rate for 18 year olds, 18 to 25 year olds from COVID-19 is, is exceptionally low. Uh, that, that there's a lot of people who would like to say that the risk to these players is very low. And that may be true on an individual level. But remember, this is not just about these individuals. This is about right. societally, we need to make sure that the spread of this thing is contained. And while it might not be a huge risk if 100, 18 to 24 year olds ended up getting COVID-19. You take each person who gets this virus and you create a situation where they're going to be infecting other people as well. Right. And so it might not be a risk for rando 19 year old to get sick and never really uh, have anything dangerous happen to them, but they have parents and brothers and sisters and yeah. grandparents. And those people have friends and family members, and they interact with people with grocery store clerks and, uh, and and servers at restaurants and ticket takers at the movies and all of the other things that, that can be can go. This is not just about preventing these 18 to 24-year-olds from getting the virus. It's about preventing them from spreading the virus, which is, again, why I go back to, and I'm no medical expert here. I'm, no, I'm not trying to claim to be an expert. This is just the way that I understand it. This is what worries me about the way that um, some of these camps have been have been set up around the country and, and, and the way that USC is, is going about this, which obviously they've consulted with medical professionals. So maybe there's mitigation that, that I'm not thinking of, but the local players being able to go home every night and potentially 
Um, Because, I mean, the fact of the matter is practice workouts. You can say you're going to socially distance all you want. Like there's just you can't socially distance in those situations. Like it just just doesn't happen. Um, That they're the antithesis of socially distanceable activities. So you are exposing people to high risk of 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 contracting the, the virus and then you're sending them home potentially infect their families and for their families then to infect other families. And I don't know, just I want football to come back as much as anybody out there. Trust me. Yeah. But I look at these issues and it just, it concerns me, especially being in Los Angeles, which is still a hotbed for the virus. You look I mean, at the numbers are spiking everywhere. Arizona, Arizona, Texas, Florida yeah. are having huge spikes right now. And so it, it, like I have to admit, it is a concern that I have having the players come back as much as I'm excited for the potential of football restarting. I, I, you, Kansas State and Houston had to shut down their football operations. LSU probably should be shutting down their football operations at this point. Are we just going to be here in two weeks time with USC having to abort this plan? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a question. Uh, we're we're going to have to see how, how it all comes together. And I, I thought you, you worried it well be, because it's not just about the players. Uh, because, yeah, in a perfect scenario, um, the, these football players, um, as, as weird as it sounds, should be the most healthy in they're, all this they're, stuff. They're very low risk. Yeah. Now, obviously, you don't want anyone to have the virus. I'm just right. speaking like mathematically and all that stuff. But. And that leads people to to say these these bullshit claims that like you know you're more likely to die to, in to a die car, in a on the car way. accident, which is just such a ridiculous sentiment because when you're when you die in a car accident, it doesn't affect the cars that 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 drive by. You die if you get in or get into a car crash on the way to the stadium. That car crash doesn't mean that your parents' cars also crash and your uncle's car also right. crashes and his. Uh, Barber's car also crashes. Like, it doesn't. Uh, it, it, yeah. It's it's a reductionist it's, it's a reductionist yeah. sentiment. So, uh, keep in mind that it's not just about these players. It's not just about college students because, yeah, like like I said, like like th- this is the demographic that that is not being hit the the hardest. But that means that they're the most likely to spread because of that, uh, and and that's something that we need to be conscious of when you look at the coaches. The coaches aren't in that age demographic, uh, certainly not. I mean, uh, USC's coaching staff isn't particularly um, senior in age, but they're they're not twenty two, you know. So, um, and everyone is is different. Uh, there, there's immunocompromised. Uh, I can never say that word. Immunocompromised. Yes, that word uh, of of all ages. So. Um, even players can, can, can be that way. So. And the other scary thing too, not that I'm trying, like, I'm not trying to like, to, to preach or anything here, but the other thing is there, you know, studies are showing that this can cause lung damage outside of mortality rates. Did, did you see that lung? No. Oh man. I, there was a viral uh, picture of a lung, uh, from an autopsy of someone who had COVID-19. It looked like a piece of steak that had like giant peppercorns stuck to it. But see, and that's the thing. That's somebody who died from the disease. They're finding that people who even get over it still are experiencing compromised lung function later on in life. So like 
yes, we can all say, oh, the risk to these players is very limited, but if some random, and I don't want to name a name because I, I wouldn't want to put that under the universe, but if any player, you know, any promising young player on USC's team gets sick and then has compromised lung function, you're talking about their future. You're talking right, about yeah. the potential. That's the difference between playing the NFL and not playing in the NFL. Exactly. It's still so, a risk. It, like, yeah. low risk st- it still implies that there is a risk. Um, one thing I did want to mention, uh, I am an avid hockey fan, as, as many of you guys know. I listen to a podcast called 31 Thoughts. Uh, it's produced uh, by Roger Sportsnet up, uh, up in Canada. They had a fantastic uh, podcast last week where they talked to an epidemiologist. Is that, that, that right? Yes. That's not, I, be, that I believe that's the correct pronunciation. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, in the, the thought of how does the NHL create a bubble, right? Like how do you create a bubble amid COVID-19 and go li- literally, I'm telling you right now, you can stop this podcast and go listen to that one because uh, it is a fa- maybe finish this podcast. Okay, fine. Add it to your one. queue and, and put it up next. Right. Go or at least listen to our next ad break and then go over there. Then maybe that'll be a little bit better. But the point is, listen to 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 that to that interview. I thought it was fascinating because the the guy and I wish I remembered his name offhand here, but he he talked about everything is risk management, and you you talk about like well why are gr- grocery stores open right? Well because the risk of of catching COVID nineteen at a grocery store um, is relatively substantial because there's so many people that are interacting with that grocery store, right? But it Which is also a reminder, be nice to the people who are working in grocery yes, stores yes. and other retail locations and, that have and, been open because again, wear a mask, don't be a dick. Yeah. But on top of that, like that doesn't that risk does not outweigh the risk of not going to the grocery store which is not having food and not eating and all that kind of stuff. You need food for life essentials, blah, 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 right? To, to, to be alive, you need to eat food, right? Very simple. So that's why grocery stores need to be open. Uh, and that's just a very simple, you know, explanation. But he talked about with, with, with sports and, and sporting events. And, you know, we, we talk about this, this whole thing about, like, what is SC going to do? And not just SC, but college football in general going to do with fans. I don't know how you can rationalize having fans at games. Because, like, like this gentleman said on the on Thirty One Thoughts, like the cost benefit analysis or the risk benefit analysis is not there on the favor of having sporting events. Because the what people like, I love going to sporting events more than anything in the world. It's I love sports. Do I need to want to to go to that sporting event versus watching on TV? No, it's a luxury. And you compare that to the risk of getting um, infected potentially with COVID-19 in a large crowd at, at a sporting event. Like, it just doesn't add up. It does not add up. It's, yeah. it's not like going to the grocery store where you need food or going to the gas station where you need gas to go to work or to go to the grocery store. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it's not a necessity uh, and, and literally, sports the, the, are a leisure activity. Yeah, the only necessity for having fans at games is for the sports, um, the owners of the teams, the universities, all that in, in 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 business is to is to make the money of the tickets. That's the only need, the literally only one. Well, there, there and, are, and that's that's a huge component 
for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a factor. Yeah, but TV rights exist, right? You know, so it's it's only one piece of the pie. Well, and that's the the thing I we forgot to add to the rundown here is that uh, USC sent out a, a a plan to season ticket holders uh, this past week talking about how they are um, planning for reduced capacity in the Coliseum for the coming season, and they've given season ticket holders the option to opt in or opt out of, um, I believe it's a, we have a question for, on this later. We, uh, we, we can get to it. Uh, we'll do, we, we, we can just answer the question right now then. Y- yeah, a Slack message from MC in Palmdale who says that USC emailing requesting uh, season ticket holders to opt in or opt out say that you can only attend four of the six home games. Have you heard how they arrived at four games? Uh, I would guess it's just based on numbers where if you have, if you give all the season ticket holders the chance to opt in or opt out, you assume some will opt out, but you assume most will opt in. And then you look at, okay, if we have to cut capacity to 50% across all of these games. Or whatever the percentage Or whatever the percentage is. Yeah. I'm just throwing 50% out there for reasons. Um, then, then you're talking about you need to cut out a certain percentage of attendance from each game. And so essentially what you'll end up with is the, the, the New Mexico home game will, have, uh, will be missing 20% of the season ticket holders who opt in. And then another, a different twenty percent will miss out on the other home game, and so on and so forth. There's math involved, and I'm bad at math, so I won't even try to throw percentages out I think there. You'd but miss a third. Yeah, whatever, whatever it is, whatever percent. So it makes sense that you would offer if you are a season ticket holder, you get four of the six because then you could just limit numbers while allowing uh, as many season ticket holders as possible to opt in. Um, I wonder if they'd be willing to change that number if enough people opt out, you know, and then maybe the people who did opt in, opt in, maybe get the full allotment of, of games. But, but at this point again, like at the same time, I I was quite hopeful of USC having the season with partial attendance, uh, just a week or two ago. And then now we're seeing Iowa State's the, the County health department for Iowa State was basically saying you can't have games with any attendance because th- it is impossible to mitigate the risks. It is impossible to to actually hold a sporting event. on. And that's the thing is the Coliseum has a, a capacity now of 77,000. You cut that in half. You're still talking nearly 40,000 people conven- converging on one spot. Yeah. And... Even if you cut that in half, you're still talking about 20,000 people converging on one spot. Like, it. the more I think about it, the more I don't think it makes any sense. It's going to be hard enough to keep the couple hundred players and coaching staffs in a socially distanced manner to, to avoid, the to, to mitigate yeah. the risk there. It's... Well, uh, like they said on the 31 Thoughts podcast, which, again, you should really go listen to, um... You you're gonna tell me that yeah you you can you can separate the fans, every other seat every third seat whatever it is you can put markers on lines to to get in you can put markers in the in the bathrooms so people are standing at the urinals at, like <laughs> all that stuff but but how are you going to to stop people from you know when Keaton Slovis throws a touchdown pass and you're gonna go high five the dude next to you. Like you're you're gonna go and jump up and down when there's a game winning interception, 
uh, and then you're going to be mobbing your fan the fans in your same row. Like that's just human nature. Uh, and and how do you mandate that people are walking out of the Coliseum? Six feet apart. Like, how do you mandate any of this stuff? Are you going to mandate people wear masks the entire game? I think that people might be willing to walk in with a mask, but I've looked around enough to know that people eventually take off their masks because it can be uncomfortable. Like, <sighs> yeah, I, 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 I don't I, see it. I'm I, feeling I very, feeling very pessimistic this week about this whole thing. Pessimistic Alicia is out in full force, which is really frustrating because like literally a week ago when we didn't podcast, I was feeling really optimistic about this whole thing. So, I mean, I I don't want us to be like doomsdayers. Uh, Can I blame Alicia Deratola for this? Pretty much. But at the same time, like I look at what's going on in Texas, the rising numbers that are going on in Texas and... The more I look at it, the more I think, well, is it even going to be possible to travel to Texas for the season opener in, uh, you know, a couple? And and it's it's no longer three months away, guys. It's right. we're we're catching up on just two months away. And yeah, well, you and I went to Texas in May. Back when travel from California to Texas was restricted. Yeah, so we literally had to go to Arizona to fly to Texas. Uh, because otherwise there would have been a 14-day quarantine and, and, and all that stuff and all this paperwork and, and all this uh, stuff, which, which is good. It, it is good to, for, for those things to be in place to help out, right? Um, and we wore our masks and, and everything and, and did what we needed to do to be safe, right? But, and, but it, and the two of us felt confident because we had been more or less isolated Right. Uh, for the entire quarantine, it, it wasn't. You and I felt pretty confident going to to Dallas for the reason that that we did. Right, and and the friends we stayed with are, you know, it, we were just stayed in in the house all weekend and just quarantined with them. So, anyways, besides the point, we knew the risk that we were getting into, right? But the point is that that fourteen day quarantine was in effect for anyone uh, flying from California to Texas. Um, so what is going to happen? Like, I'm not hundred percent sure if that's still in effect. I would assume it is, but how do you, how do you lift that banner? What, what's the threshold for that being lifted? And with SC playing Alabama on September 5th, how is that going to affect anyone flying to Texas for that game? I mean, there's, there's already been, already been talk that, uh, sporting events in Texas can have a 50% capacity. So, what what is what is that going to mean? Well, is that going to hold true? Though? And, and will, yeah, will that hold true? I feel like so much of this stuff um, has the ability to go back, which is why I you know people were so frustrated in May when the Pac-12 <laughs> was behind on you know putting out statements and all this stuff because the Pac-12 was was biding its time, researching and trying to come up with with, with a plan that 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 worked. And people were so upset uh, that the, the Pac-12 was behind the times. What is the Pac-12 thinking, thinking that they're not going to have a season and all this kind of stuff? Um, and that other schools are already making plans. And, you know, uh, the, the thing about Texas potentially, the state of Texas having 50% capacity, that's been out there for weeks now at this point. What was the point of rushing to conclusions if you're going to have to go back on everything because of everything, you know, this this second wave that's not a second wave it's still a first wave like what is going like 
What was the point of being first for all that stuff? Um, and, you know, I, I'm not defending the Pac-12 to defend the Pac-12. It's just be, because even the Pac-12's decisions uh, certainly could be, you know, end up being the wrong ones as well. It's, it's, this is such a, an unprecedented situation that we are in right now as a society, uh, as, as like mankind in terms of things being so flexible, the, the news constantly changing, um, the, the experts unable to, you know, put together strategies that, that, that work for the long term because the numbers are changing on a daily basis that it makes it hard to, to understand exactly how things are trending and where things are going and, and what to, what the strategy should be um, and, and what the messaging should be and all this stuff that every, you know, so many people have tuned out um, because it's so hard to understand what's up and what's down anymore. So again, what was that rush to, to, to make, you know, decisions, uh, uh, you know, six weeks ago? Well, what, what was that for? Because Well, and that's, and that's, you know, when we talk about the football season coming up, like, I would never claim to say that I know one way or the other that USC is going to be playing in Arlington on September 5th. But it, it goes both ways, right? Like, so, like I said, a week ago I was pretty optimistic. Now I'm not. I'm I'm pretty pessimistic. A week from now things might have changed. A month from now things might have changed drastically. But I mean, I just I I hope that our sports figures are our sports decision makers and the powers that be are taking this day by day and not sticking to their guns just because they they said they were going to do this thing right. uh, the way that they're going to do it. I. I, I just wish everyone would take it as the fluid situation that it is and sort of go a little bit more with the flow as it were. But I don't know. That's a luxury I get because I'm not in a decision making position. Yeah, it, it's everything is uh, is fluid for sure. But this is definitely not a flu. Um, but a tish. <laughs> uh, California, ACL, torn ACL. Oh. Your thoughts there. Oh, uh, it just sucks. It just sucks for him. Do I hate to put this on him, but Kyle Ford is giving me really, really sad George Farmer vibes here. Um, it 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 is brutal to 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 suffer two ACL two in, tears, two yeah. in two years. Yeah, and he was just getting back, and he was going to have a really big chance to break into the lineup this this year. And I guess my big you know, from the personal perspective, it really does suck for Kyle Ford because you, you ha- his future is certainly cloudy. When you have two ACL injuries, it is hard to get back from those. It is extremely hard. No matter how good of an athlete that you were at any point, it's very, very hard. So the road he has ahead of him is, is going to be quite tough. But from a USC larger perspective, the wide receiver depth is still really low. And I don't yeah. think we're talking about this enough. Like, Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughn, Strike London, you feel really good about those guys. You're excited about Brew McCoy, but there aren't a lot of numbers No, there. And, and, you know, I, I tried to make this argument on, on Twitter when it came out about Kyle Ford a week and a half ago, uh, and I got some replies of people like, what are you talking about that they don't have um, depth? This is a, a wide receiver core that, that Graham Harrell, when he first got on campus, said he wanted to have as deep as 15 receivers right like and even then i think the 15 receivers includes tight ends and whatnot but sc's not there even if you include the tight ends 
you can include the walk-ons in trying to get to that number, but like that's not what USC wants to do. The whole idea of using the air raid is to have the schematic advantage of what an air raid can do for your quarterback and for your passing attack with USC's talent. Well, and, and, and unfortunately, SC doesn't have as much talent as they have. Like The talent itself is elite. You can make the case that SC has probably uh, the t- top two or three wide receiver core in the country, if not the best. Yes, in terms of the starters. Um, but yeah, the, the depth behind that, um, it, there a lot of question marks because you got Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vons, and Drake London, three guys who you can feel confident in going into the season because we saw them last year. But yeah, uh, Michael Pittman's gone. Brew McCoy's coming off of uh, a, a, that weird year he had last year. Drew McCoy hasn't played football in a year. Yes. Uh, Kyle Ford no longer there because of an ACL tear. Munir McLean is coming off of an an ACL tear. Uh, JJ3, John Jackson, haven't really seen him much in action. Um, uh, Gary Bryant and Josh Jackson are are true freshmen. True freshmen, yeah. We just named the entire receiving core. Yeah, and, and Devin Williams transferred. Yeah. Manvelis Jones transferred. Yes. So, I mean, that USC has barely, with Kyle Ford out of the picture because of the ACL, USC has eight wide receivers, scholarship wide receivers on the roster. That means they have a two deep. That's it. So if any more of them get injured, that's your... And, and again, that two deep includes Manure McLean, yes. Drew McCoy, guys who are not coming off... Uh, or, who, who didn't, didn't play get, last year. Who didn't or, play last year. Randy McClain played last year, but, you know, he's or, coming off of an injury. Coming off of injuries or didn't play last year and then didn't get spring camp. Right, yes. And will get a, a whatever fall camp that they can create. Right. So, I mean, on the plus side, from my perspective, this means that you will have to use your tight ends. You will have to, to take advantage of guys like Josh Follow and Daniel Amadebebe. Hey, baby, hey, hey, baby. So good to have that that back. It's back, by the way, baby. By the way, uh, but yeah, to, to to take advantage of the tight ends to give you more depth in terms of receiving options for sure. But you know, Kyle Ford is is it is a blow. It is a blow to USC's overall uh, the the overall depth that you have. And and right. you know, it's, it's it was already kind of on the ropes. The, the the bummer here, I think, for for Graham Harrell is that. Last year, there wasn't as much rotation as there could have been, right? I think that was one of the criticisms of USC's offense. Uh, though, mind you, I think I made the point then, it's one of those criticisms criticisms that I think is unfounded when you see what SC did on offense. I think it seems a little nitpicky to say, yeah, but they didn't rotate the receivers enough. Yeah, but your, your receivers were three incredible receivers plus a starlet freshman that you didn't expect to have the good season that he did. Also, your receiving rotation is based on receivers choosing when they come out. Right. Which, and do you which, really want Michael? A, you didn't run enough plays to force someone like Michael Pittman or Amon Ross St. Brown or Tyler Bonds to right. need to come out all that often. Because contrary to popular belief, USC wasn't running air raid totals as far as the number of plays that they were that But, they but were I running. think it's valid to, to criticize something like that but, where the players police themselves, but... At, at the do you same want point, Michael Pittman coming off the field? Yeah. At the, do you do you want Michael <laughs> Pittman off the field? Um, and at the same point, you go into this year and like they're going to be kind of in the same boat where it's going to put a lot of pressure on Tyler Vaughn's and Amara St. Brown 
uh, and Drake London. Luckily, those are guys who you can feel absolutely comfortable uh, with the pressure on them because that's where they were last year, uh, and they performed admirably. Uh, it's just going to be about maintaining that health uh, and, and keeping those guys healthy going forward. But um, we're going to go forward and take a quick break, come back, and get into a giant mailbag. We'll be right back. You've got mail. All right, let's start with a tweet from Ryan Romeos. Can you just assure me we will have a college football season, he says? I <laughs> I can reassure you that I believe there will be a college football season in some form this fall. I believe that because there is too much money at stake for there not to be. Uh, will that college football season be entirely safe for everyone involved? Probably not. Uh, will there be crowds for that enti- for that college football season? I am beginning to think the likelihood of that is low. And if it's not low, it's quite dangerous um, and may have to change midseason as a result. Uh, but I do think they will figure out a way how to play games because, again, there is too much money at stake for not just you know the leagues that are the professional leagues that are around there. There is so much money at stake for these universities. They will they will find a way to make this work. I I truly believe that. Um, personally, as somebody who uh, has the luxury to be able to to say this, I think um, I would just wait for the vaccine. Personally, I would wait for the vaccine. Hold your college football season in the in the spring. That was talked about early on in this whole thing. Pessimistic Alicia is out in full force. I mean, or is it just sort of cautious Alicia? Uh, Hold off the six months you need to get the vaccine. Recoup your money when you play your football season in the spring and do so safely for more safely for all involved. Um, I have the luxury of being able to to, to say that because I'm not in a decision making a uh, situation where I have to look at the books and make right. sense of the of the of the of the money and the numbers and all that kind of stuff. But personally, that's the way I'd do it. I don't think that's how it's going to happen. So I look at this multiple ways. Do I think there will be a football season? Yes. Do I think it's because of the money? Not necessarily, because I think that that if there's any league that is any sport that is not going to exist this year because of COVID nineteen, it's I think it's college sports um, because. As much as the money matters, the athletic directors are not the people in charge. Um, in, in at the grand scheme of things, I mean the 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 presidents get involved here, and really the local governments are going to have a gigantic say. Not just in terms of what city ordinances will be and and whatnot, and you know for SC's case, the city of LA and Mayor Mayor Garcetti and all that kind of stuff, right? But SC is in a league of twelve teams. 10 of which are public. Those public schools um, are going to be dictated by not only their, their university presidents, but by the, the governments that they exist in. If, if those, those 10 private schools, sorry, 10 public schools don't play football, USC is not playing football. And moreover, people are already slightly uncomfortable with the waivers that players are having to sign to return for voluntary workouts. USC has a similar, uh, I don't know about the wording necessarily on that, but it certainly is a waiver that players are signing uh, about acknowledging their risk. 
people are already a bit uncomfortable about that with players who are not professionals who are not being paid. So while a, an NFL player or an MLB player or an NBA player can collectively bargain to come up with the, uh, the, the, the terms under which they will choose to resume, right. the lack of profession, like the, the amateurism aspect, I think, is one of the biggest arguments for maybe we shouldn't be forcing these kids to play this game. Yeah, the, the colleges are going to be potentially um, having to deal with, with lawsuits unless they get these waivers signed and what do those waivers mean and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of legal hurdles involved here. Um, now, I, I will say that there's nothing, trust me, there's nothing I want more than a college football season. Yeah. There's nothing you want more than a college football season. There should be nothing more than you guys want because this podcast will probably not exist, exist if there's no football season. Our job's probably not going to exist. If there's no football yeah, that's season. the funniest thing about some of the media narratives, like that the media want there to be the sports to be canceled. Like, bruh, it, my, my job so, depends on this season happening. It's so. so ridiculous to me. Like, just because we're talking about, you know, COVID-19 and how it could affect the season doesn't mean that that's what we're like wanting personally. Like, everybody wants everyone to to be back to work. Everyone wants everyone to be healthy and have a season and all that. Like, that's what we all want, obviously. Like, it's 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 ridiculous to me. But, no. The, to answer your question, Ryan, I can't reassure you. Uh, we, we, we we wish we could. We, we all want it. We all want a college football season. Let's go to a tweet from Christopher Collins with all the news about the efficacy of face masks to help prevent spread of COVID-19. Could you see masks and or gloves becoming a mandated part of a player's uniform? I think this is interesting. I don't know about, I don't know if it'll be mandated, but you know, we talked about this in our last podcast. I think there will be a solution to this, um, whether it be from USC or the NCAA or, or whatnot. I don't know. I think more likely it's going to come from the, uh, equipment providers. Uh, I know the NFL is working with Oakley to make face shields, make the, the face masks, uh, or the visors come down all the way and, and, and be a shield and whatnot. I, like, like I said a couple weeks ago, I think that the the more likely scenario is that uh, Nike end up, ends up making like a buff that will have a USC logo on it and players will wear that. Yeah, I, uh, again, I, I guess the question is, because they probably already make one of those things. By that, the way. that that's the thing. Is, well, I, well, I think that I what, what, last time we talked about how they are, we know they make full head coverings for when it's really really cold out, and we yes. know that players will wear those things. So like something similar like that exists. I guess my question is uh, to the word efficacy. Like, will these measures actually make a difference when you are sort of swapping sweat inevitably? With everybody who's on the field. For alignment, yeah. Um, that I don't know. Gloves, I would say that I can imagine gloves wouldn't be particularly effective because you're going to have to have breathable gloves that you're sweating through. Um, and, and, you know, gloves are already something that are semi-problematic because uh, if you are even even rubber gloves or, or uh, uh, latex gloves... Like you can use them, but if you don't dispose of them properly, you're not you're just spreading the virus to different places if it's on them. Right. So like 
gloves are a very complex thing to begin with. They protect you while you are wearing them. Yes. But but once you take them off, um, what do you do with that glove? Um, and what did you do with the glove? Like, yeah. y- you're just cross-contaminating everything else. Yeah. If everyone wore gloves 24-7 and then we stopped wearing gloves, we'd be fine. But that's not how it works, especially when players are going to get that glove and they're going to touch their face. Yeah. They're going to be sweating, like... Sweating I, through it. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know that gloves will be an effect, an effective right. tool, but I do think there would be a place potentially for something that prevents uh, breath particles from uh, disseminating en masse. Uh, it, would be, it is helpful that football is a game played in, in the outdoors, so the likelihood of, of uh, because the, the research shows that the spread of this virus is much more effective indoors and in uh, enclosed areas where the air circulation isn't particularly good. So, uh, Alicia, um, like the studio that we're currently sitting in. Well, yeah, but Cowboy Stadium. Well, <laughs> indoors. That is the ca- most cavernous indoor place I've ever seen. Fair, but it's still <laughs> indoors. This is true, yes. Um, just bring in those giant, like, hurricane fans or something like that and... <laughs> sweep the air through or whatever i don't know well e- that, either that way make it worse who knows i mean who knows i again i'm not i'm no expert you, you just have these trade winds <laughs> Rem- of, of covid yeah r- reminder <laughs> reminder i am not an expert don't take anything i say uh for, for serious but uh no i like i think these could you know to answer chris's question or christopher's question i don't know exactly how you like your name said but uh, he, he typed christopher that means that's how he prefers okay christopher um I could see there being a mandate for sure, and I'm sure Nike would be happy to provide those that that gear, uh, even if it was just for the front facing. Look at what we're doing. Right. I don't know that it's going to necessarily help. Yeah, I, I I would tend to agree with that. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Angry USC fan. What purpose does Carol Fultz have in disbanding all of the alumni associations? Are things at the school going to get as bad as I'm starting to worry about? Um. Okay, so the alumni associations, I, I wish I knew more about them, but for, on the surface from what has recently come out, USC is disbanding the alumni associations in favor of a different model. It's the equivalent of uh, disbanding the Pac-12 with a view of starting it back up or disbanding the western the uh, the the pcc the pcc in favor of starting the pac 12 um i i wish i was able to say that the model that they're going to go to which is from what i've learned is a like a more of a centralized model um where all the money and all the organization will be more centralized for (laughs) lack of figuring out another word i don't know if that will be a better better model um, honestly, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a tough time for them to decide that this is the way that they're going to go, but this is the way that they're going to go. And I, I would, I would give it a wait and see to see what the new thing looks like before I lambase Carol Fultz or anyone involved in this, uh, for mishandling it because I don't know. I, I we'll see how it goes. But that that's also a thing with messaging too. Um, I think if you and and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why USC. But. You again, USC has been so good on the messaging front recently 
that it's weird to me that this kind of came out of nowhere. Like we found out about it because uh, our buddy from THT, Kenny, found out about it from the Phoenix Alumni Association. So like it was weird that there wasn't centralized messaging on this where they explained Okay. Front face. This is this is changing and it's being replaced with this. Yes. Or this is changing and it's gonna be replaced with that. Should have been the how, first message, not yeah. the 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 alumni association is getting disbanded. See ya. Right. Bye. Yeah, because now it creates the the, the idea native. that the, they're going away forever, which I assume is not is the, not the case, not the long term plan. But at least that's that's what the narrative is now. That's what um the sentiment is now which is you know not well, not positive pr and it certainly started off with the negative sentiment of wait you're shutting you're disbanding our this thing that we right. love which on the surface sounds ridiculous yes yeah which which the the first thing i saw was just like wait what you read more into it and you realize okay maybe there's you know maybe this will work out okay maybe this will work out for the best but like if you're usc you got to start things out snappy on the front face of right Hey, we're instituting this new model for alumni associations, and here why here's why it's great. And then in the subtext, in in in, in you the, don't bring home your, your your side piece. You have to discuss whether or not you're going to go to an open relationship first. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the, that's the thing you're going with. To expl- analogy. It's an analogy. <laughs> it, it is an analogy. It is. Uh, I'm just saying. I, you, you you gotta you, you gotta you, you gotta prepare prepare yeah. people for the news. You are you are no Ryan Abraham with his uh, with his food analogies. Michael. Okay, what would the Ryan Abraham is this, food is this analogy your, for this your be? relationship analogies? I I have not listened to um to the Peapod this week, so I don't know if he's given a food analogy. But I would say that his food analogy would be um this would be like if um hometown buffet said that they were no longer going to be hometown buffet. And then it came out a week later that they were going to be hometown to go. And like they were going to serve all the same food, but it was going to be to go packages and, or, or something like that. Like, um, some sort of different, like it would be a buffet, but not a buffet anymore or not called buffets. Yeah. But, but it would be the same food if you liked a hometown buffet. Or if you like, okay, for instance, like they're they're talking about like buffets probably going to become one of these places these things where like they're going to have workers dishing up your food. Yeah, just like when you go to like Subway or or, or Chipotle, like hometown all you can eat. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna become hometown all you can eat. Yes. Yeah, but you start the press, but you need to press. You start the press release with, "Hey, this exciting change that we're doing, and here's why it's awesome." And then mention hometown buffet, the logo brand, all that kind of stuff is going by the wayside. You don't start it with, "Hey, hometown buffet is gone." Right. And exactly. then you leave everyone going, "Like, wait, what? What? I yeah, want like my like soup plantation. Buffet. Soup plantation should be should be called soup all you can eat. Not only because of the awkwardness of the word plantation in there, but like, but you know, buffets are coming under attack by by the COVID. So. I love soup plantation. It sucks that it's going away, that, it, that, it's, that it's gone. I wanted the food to, like, if soup plantation transitioned to being, like, Panera, I'd be all for it. Okay. I think we've beat this analogy to death. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, a tweet from Will Berlin who says, What does the student section look like in Corona? 
I have no idea. That's a, that's a good question. I would I would assume that if there's going to be a limited number of fans, that whatever that ratio is would apply to students to, to the students. Like if it's going to be ten percent of fans and they're going to be spaced four seats apart uh, for the season ticket holders, that that also would be applied to the students. I would assume. Yeah, I think whatever percentage that they've come up with for the rest of the stadium will will have to apply to the student section. That just got me thinking, though, like what traditions from the student section will be lost because of the year off of normal student section behavior? Like I was just thinking, you know, the you know, the whole like everybody put their arms around each other and do like the sway back and forth thing. Um, Like that could just be lost because it's not done for a year and then people come back the next year and they create sort of do their own new things, which I'm totally fine with the student section. The student section had different things when I started at USC. And by the time I left, there were different transformations and different chants and traditions and, and all sorts of things that were normalized. So I get that those things transform over time, but it just, it's just weird to think about how the student section experience for 2020 will be totally and utterly foreign to anything that I experienced or anything that anyone else experienced in their time as a student and how will that transform the student section for 2021 is is what i would be very curious about i can't really fathom it but i'm sure it will be something that we'll come to and and then realize after the fact oh yeah this is how the student section changed because of this yeah i I think that it's gonna be one of those situations where you learn as we go uh everything's fluid right now and that includes the band which is Will's second question, how's the band going to work if they can't sit together? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how the band the, uh, is going to work at all. The American, um, I believe it was the American, announced that they're not having traveling bands at all and they're not having um, band performances on the field. I didn't wasn't able to find any information specifically about whether or not they'd allow bands in the stand. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to let the bands be in the stand, but they're going to have to socially distance as well i'm sure i mean but, that's but, the other thing like think about the the amount of space that that takes a think about um the logistics of having musicians spread out and what yeah. that does for the sound how sound carries yeah um i and I, mean, I, I, I don't I, think there's any rational you know way that you can say that the band is allowed to travel which is going to suck because they've had that streak since 1987 mm-hmm well, and it's probably going to end, and rightfully so. But like, so then does it become a USC's band has gone to every game that they could attend since yeah. 1987? I would, I, I know, would, maybe. I would do it that way. But at the same time, like, yeah, the band's traveling. I think is a, an inevitability that they're not going to do. But we spend all this time talking about how how can you socially distance the football players and all that kind of stuff. Like, realistically, the band. <laughs> in in a it, the band is not as is not like part of the multi-billion dollar it's just a facet of the multi-billion dollar college athletics uh situation but the band is going to have a really hard time keeping social distancing uh stuff in place they can't wear masks in order to play their instruments their instruments well, you, are you can if you were the if you play the best instruments well the drums Hell yeah. Yeah. If you're in drumline, which you always tell me is not banned. It's, it's not. It's drumline. So there right. you go. Uh, but yeah, like if you're a trumpet player, you can't wear a mask. 
um, the band, I mean, we've known enough band people and maybe some of the, we we know we have listeners who are in the band who have thoughts on this. I'd love to hear it, but. I've got an answer. Do the right thing. Ban all woodwinds. (laughs) I'm serious. Like, no woodwinds. Have a season (laughs) of no woodwinds. You play a flute, sorry, you're not invited. (laughs) What's your problem with woodwinds? Woodwinds? No. (laughs) All all I'm saying. Go true core style. (laughs) All I'm saying is that I think that, like, from a logistical perspective, if the people in the leadership in the band are looking forward to this coming season, they've got to be scratching their heads going, how on earth do we do band camp? And not have it become a, a, an issue with COVID nineteen because they're not going to get the resources that the football right. team's going to get to yeah, be testing absolutely. weekly and to be quarantining and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, that's... sorry, Piccolos, <laughs> this ain't your year. Yeah, you ever followed the band and stood next to the freaking Piccolos while they're playing? God, it's just like make you want to gouge your ear, you're, ears. You're, we're going to have like piccolo players coming for our podcast because no, of you these know what's going to happen? Oh, the band people who are listening, they hate the piccolo. Too. <laughs> I mean, the uh, band band politics of uh, of of instruments against each other. <laughs> I I don't know these uh these finer details, so someone will have to Just saying. Yeah, someone will have to explain it all to me. I'm just saying. Tubas and drums over everything. Uh let's go to a question from Jacob. Uh, this team is nearly all the pieces to be a playoff contender. I'm thinking 11-2 and two with losses to Alabama and at Oregon. And USC then avenges its loss to the Ducks in the Pac-12 title game. What are your personal season predictions? Also, Cal could be a threat as well. Um, I don't think we want to get completely into our predictions. That comes later on as we get into our season preview content. Um but at least for me right now, I, I think that I'm right in the, in the position I've been saying for a long time. I think that if you're talking about the 12-game regular season, SC is a 9 or 10 game, 9 or 10 win team. And I think Jacob is just about in line with what I would predict, 9 or 10 wins, and he would have SC at 10 and 2 through the regular season. And that, that sounds about right. I would say that maybe 9 and 3 is a little bit of a safer bet. Um, SC loses to Alabama and Oregon, the two teams that are probably right now that are just flat out better than USC until SC proves otherwise. Um, But then I think that you probably have to throw in another loss there because this is a USC team that tends to lose games in which it shouldn't, Uh, whether it be at Utah, whether it be at home against ASU, at home against Cal. I think those are three games that you could potentially worry about, not to mention Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I I agree with Jacob in the sense that, on paper, this team should be a playoff contender, and the fact that it's not, I think, says a lot about the state of where the program is. Absolutely, right now. yeah. Uh, if if USC had, if I was more certain about what USC had on the offensive line, and on the defensive line. I think I would be more willing to go out on the limb and 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 agree with that eleven and two prediction or even a twelve and one prediction or or something uh, of a true playoff uh, potential team. But I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. Well, hold your horses because playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? <laughs> uh, I don't trust USC's offensive line, and frankly, I don't trust USC's defensive line, or not necessarily defensive line. I don't trust the defensive front. So. 
I'm in a position where I'm probably more looking at an eight and four, nine and three season, depending on how well they navigate uh, this quarantine situation, because I think it's a wild card. Yeah, I think the difference for the teams that succeed in 2020, assuming that there is a 2020 season, will be which teams were self-motivated enough to come out of quarantine fit and ready to go. Not to mention uh, teams, I think, that will succeed will have uh, some cohesiveness from last year. Um, some returning starters, which SC absolutely has on offense, but they have returning starters on defense, but not a returning system because it's a new system with, with new defensive coordinator Todd Orlando. He did not get the spring camp to be able to instill his defense and install it and figure out how they're going to manage personnel and all that stuff. I think that's a major issue. Uh, I, I think we've talked about it on paper. On paper, SC's offense should be better than last year. They should only get better, right? The defense should be no worse than they were last year. Ideally, a little bit better. Um, you can be conservatively a little bit better. If Tyler Orlando has the season he did in his first season at, te- at Texas, they would be a lot better. But you can't predict that right now when they didn't have a spring. Um, and so it's hard to even to, to say that, that they'll be at least – as bad as they were last year or at, at the form that they were last year, because they could potentially be worse because they didn't have a spring and maybe other schools are going to be a little bit better than that. So I I don't know the, the, the whole COVID-19 thing throws a wrench in so many different areas that I, I think that we can sit here and say that this is a team that should be a playoff contender and should be in a position to win 10 games but what that means in all actuality, I, I I don't know because it's a weird season and a weird situation. SC has nothing to lose, but also plenty of opportunity to lose things when you look at, at, at them not having a spring camp and, and all that. Yeah, so all that is to say we're looking at eight and four and nine and three again because I feel like it's been we're in this perpetual what's USC's record going to be? Somewhere between eight and four, nine and three. Yeah, eight and eight and nine, four, nine, nine, nine and three. If if things swing their way, eight and four. If something goes wrong somewhere along the line, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Smarmy McDude. What are the odds that Helton is the coach in twenty twenty one? I'm just gonna say fifty percent. I because I I I can't set a line here because we don't know what the standard's going to be. Also, the standard is going to be very strange because it's again, it's a weird ass season. So I, I don't know. Like, like we've said before that that this should be. I mean, last year should have been too, but like this should be the year that you either win ten games or you don't. You win, you win the Pac-12 or you don't, um, and that's it. But COVID nineteen could potentially play. Uh, change things uh, as Lee asks, is COVID nineteen going to save Helton's job? I don't think it will, but the the season being a little weird uh, certainly doesn't uh, provide more conclusive, um, you know, thoughts about what the standard is. Um, I mean, the standards should be the same. Win the conference or else, right? Well, okay, so. Here's my should, should be and will be are two different things. Well, absolutely. 
And that's been the story of USC over the past five years. People won't want to hear this, but... All right, here we go. I think Hilton is definitely coming back in 2021. I think that for two reasons. One, I think he will manage eight and four. Or better. Uh, because Keaton Slovis is good enough. I like Graham Harrell enough. I, I'm intrigued by... You know, we talk about this being a playoff potential caliber roster. There are enough good players on there that I, I think they can manage eight and four. They should absolutely manage eight and four. And unfortunately, even though the whole buyout thing from last year is not the same thing in play, we're also entering an era when schools are losing hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in athletic funds. And not just athletic funds, but academic funds as well. Um, No school will be untouched from the financial hit of COVID-19. And we have seen coaching salaries are a bubble that has grown and grown and grown and grown. And I think coaching salaries are about to burst. And I think if you're USC, the last thing you want to do, not just with a Hilton buyout, I think the last thing you want to do is get rid of Hilton, get rid of the new defensive coaching staff, and then have to go out and spend money on a new head coach of any variety. I think if you're USC, you probably want to hold Pat for another year. But this is when I remind you, his contract expires at the end of 2023. So if you bring him back, you're telling kids in the 2022 recruiting class, please come play for me, even though I only have two years left on my contract. Which means, if he comes back, you have to extend him. And I know that that's, that's the thing. People are turning off the podcast right now. I, I know. I'm, I'm with you. Um, coaching contracts are not realistic. Uh, they, they don't function like baseball contracts or NFL contracts because recruiting is involved. And so, if he comes back, you have to extend him. And I understand what I, I get what, what you're saying, and I, I don't think that, that you're wrong to, to say that, that that's a concern that money could be a concern in the you know with the economy and, and all this stuff. I think you're 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 on the right path there. But again, you have to extend them if you bring him back, unless you play the well, COVID is just making everything weird card. And again, like how do you how do you recruit that? And and how do you recruit after an eight and four season? Like, the the talent drops off after this season, especially on defense. Like, this is a potentially playoff caliber team, like we've talked about, because of the the caliber of talent they have on defense this year. But Ian Atterte could leave. Talano Hufanga could leave. Jake Tufele could leave. Marlon Tuipelotu could leave. Brandon Peely could leave. All those guys on defense could leave after this year and you don't have anyone to replace them that is remotely close. You need to win 10 games at least uh, this season to be able to replace those guys with adequate talent. And so if you bring him back after an 8-4 and four season and you have to double down on giving him that contract extension because of the recruiting BS that, that exists, like... You're in, you're in a situation for the long haul that I think is detrimental more so than it already is. Like, legitimately detrimental. 
I mean, USC is already in a detrimental. No, I get that. Like that—that's unavoidable at this point. My no, I I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. But if USC is eight and four and they're keeping Clay Helton, it's because they they don't want to deal with the money. It's better to extend a head coach cheaply than to have to go out there and and spend. Is it better? That I think that's the scenario that they would say. I I can't see it. I, I can't see it. Or do USC like, fans do USC fans want them to fire Helton and then hire some random GA that they can pay a that, million? That like, would be that would be that would be worse. It would be worse, but in well, terms of in worse, terms of, I guess in in, in one way. in terms of the PR, if, if I think I think people would take you or me over if, Clay. Helton. If you are Mike Bone, if he goes eight and four, you, people will take you or me over Clay Helton. I'm telling you that right if now. If you are Mike Bone, you are sitting here praying to every god on the planet. That he wins two that, games or twelve games. Yes, that it is big or that 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 whatever Clay Hilton does, he does it thoroughly, because eight and four is the worst possible outcome for USC in in twenty in twenty twenty. I will put that right there. Eight and four is a terrible outcome because it's not bad enough that it's an instant firing, and it's not good enough that you can look forward to the future and think you're in good right. shape. Mind you, they they could be a better team in eight and four, but again, if you have to. If you have to play the well, they were eight and four, and you know they were not, you know, uh, seven and one before Keaton Slovis had a season-ending injury. Like, if you have to play all those cards again, yeah. like you don't want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Adam Bradford, who every time I read this, I read it as Alan Bradford, but it's Adam Bradford. Huh. Uh, asks uh, best USC wide receivers of the 2010s. Woods, Lee, Algalor, Juju, or Pittman, uh, who is the best USC wide receiver this decade, this past decade? Marquise Lee. Yeah. I, it's, I, and I it's not close for yeah. me. Uh, Juju and Pittman had incredible moments. Woods had incredible um, uh, production. Aguilar, I remember more as a special teams player than anything, uh, and he was exceptional at that. But Marquise Lee was just jaw-droppingly good jaw and it's not just the Arizona game which he was completely mind-shatteringly amazing but like Marquise Lee across the board was such a weapon uh for USC that it just he it was it was otherworldly my my one big sadness is that he was injured so for so much of the 2013 season because like he 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 could have been just on a on a whole other plane of existence if he'd been able to have his body hold up just a tiny bit longer. That's the weird thing. These five receivers, Woods, Lee, Aguilar, Juju, and Pittman, I think everyone takes Aguilar fifth. Aguilar had the best junior season out of all of them. Yeah. Like, undoubtedly, because uh, Woods was dealing with some ankle issues and he had been demoted uh, because Lee had taken away so much of his reps in 2012 that Robert Woods still very good in um in, in as as a junior in 2012, but he wasn't as good as Aguilar was as a junior. Woods, Lee, Woods and Lee both had the same problem yes. that their junior season was kind of anticlimactic. Yes, uh, Juju got hurt. Uh, Juju was still this really. Juju was in the same boat. Uh, he was still very good as a junior. <laughs> but the, he was zombie juju. He was zombie juju for a lot of that. And we saw that really at the end of his sophomore season. It just carried him to his junior season. And it, it sucks because 
his best season was a sophomore. All these guys' best season was their sophomore year, with the exception of Aguilar and Pittman. Pittman just got better year after year after year. But, um, yeah, I think if you're ranking them, Lee's one, Woods two. Uh, and then it's Juju or Pittman, pick, pick your poison. I would probably take Juju over Pittman, but it's very close. Really flip a coin. Uh, and then Aguilar's, Aguilar's the fourth guy. I, I think Aguilar might be the best USC wide receiver that will not be remembered in the same echelon as everybody else. Because he he didn't do anything better than anybody else. Is it because And, and that's not a knock on him. That's just... Woods was a better route runner. Lee made people miss and was a better game breaker. Juju was more physical. And Pittman could catch literally anything. And Aguilar couldn't do anything better than those guys. Um... And that's not a knock on him. He was just very good. He Aguilar was so well-rounded that he was good at a lot of things. He wasn't elite at anything. Where there's those other guys were elite at at least one thing. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, it it kind of makes Aguilar the the Cody Kessler of wide a, receivers. <laughs> and, and I say that without it's like, them throwing short of the six. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but like you know and. and People hate Cody Kessler, and I think that's a, that's a little unfair. The, Absolutely. The, the problem with Cody Kessler has nothing to do with him. It's that if you compare him to Sam Darnold, Mark Sanchez, Carson Palmer, Matt Barkley, Matt Leinart, and even uh, Keaton Slovis, those guys were just elite at something. They were very good um, compared to, to Cody Kessler. It wasn't because Cody Kessler was bad. He was fine. He was good at what he did. He just wasn't on their same level. So Yeah. Uh, to go to a tweet from Rick Ranquillo who says, is the number five jersey going to be back in the Coliseum? I'd have to imagine so. It's just a matter of uh, of, of when. And we talked about this last time. When do you do that? Do, I, I feel like you have to do that when you, you either have the, the jersey back and you tweet it the night before the first game that it's back in the Coliseum, or you have a, a re-retirement ceremony, but you only have the re-retirement ceremony when fans are back. Uh, I wouldn't do a re-retirement or anything like that. Um, I think you bring him back to honor him and have a Reggie Bush night. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that that's when you put the jersey back up. No. I think you put the jersey back up immediately. I think the jersey just goes back up because, yeah, it just goes back up. Uh, Jason Scott asks, should Reggie have gotten the ball on fourth and two? No. No. The revisionist history over fourth and two, uh, I will hear Reggie should have been on the field um, as a decoy or something like that. But quite frankly, Lendell White with the ball in his hands is exactly what I would have said going into that play. And the outcome doesn't change it for me. Lendell gets that, uh, converts that the entire game. Like yeah. the, the way the game had gone he had not been stopped. There was no reason not to go to Lendale there, uh, unless you're going to say that it was too predictable. And that's the thing is, if if in an alternate universe, USC gives the ball to Reggie there and he doesn't get the first down, we're sitting here in 2020 talking about how, how did they not give the ball to Lendale? Like, yeah, and yeah. the the other thing is, I want someone to really crunch the numbers. Go back and watch every single snap of the 2005 season. How many times were they on the field at the same time? And, and what were the numbers on those plays? Like, um, I, I don't think it was as high as people think that it was. 
Um, and I could be totally also, wrong. Also, I'll, I'll, I'll eat crow if that's the case. Hot take, but maybe I'm just, I haven't watched that play in a little while now, but was it not a blocking issue? Like, was it not a Texas one at the line of scrimmage on that play well, issue? As, as you know, I've not watched the game since, but yeah. uh, Huff makes the tackle, right? And, and yeah. I, I think the argument is that if you, you have Reggie in the slot, Huff has to account for Reggie. Yeah, but Lindo runs I, into again, a wall. Like, just, it's... like, that just... That makes sense in high, with knowing what we know now, and yeah, I, like I agree that having him out there as a decoy would have been a good idea, but I don't think that that makes handing the ball off to Lendale as they did the wrong idea. It could they, they, it could have been a better idea, but it doesn't make what they did the wrong one. And I think that pe- too many people assume that that handing it off at fourth and two and running power there is is the wrong idea. Like, it, it's not. Like, that, that's what they did. That was the bread and butter of that, that, that running game. So, yeah. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Kyle G, who says, not going to listen to your crap podcast, but please get on there and admit that JT Daniels is better than Keaton Slovis. You said Fink looked best last year and he was trash. Don't bring up Utah either because he threw jump balls. SC will regret letting JT walk 10-2 with a healthy JT last year. Um, Yeah, thanks, Kyle. Uh, no, Keaton Slovis is better than JT Daniels. All evidence points in that direction. Oh, I, I, I will say the but. caveat is we didn't get to see enough of JT in this offense. I said from the beginning that I thought JT would have been JT looked really good in that first half. USC probably has a better record if he's able to stay healthy the whole way through, uh, because USC has a better record if you if any USC quarterback is able to stay healthy all the way through, um, he would have been fine. He would have been absolutely fine. But what we saw from Keaton Slovis was on another level than anything we ever saw from JT Daniels at any point. Right, because it was the little things that, like I said before, like Keaton Slovis was so good in the offense. But what makes Keaton Slovis good were the things that he did that transcended the offense. How he moved in the pocket, how he managed, and how nimble he was to realize that, you know, I just got to get out of here and slide for two yards. Or, you know, bounce around the pocket a whole bunch against Oregon and throw that strike to Drake London. Now, it backfired because sometimes he was way too comfortable in the pocket, and we saw that against later on in that Oregon game in the second quarter 15 minutes later. But, like, those those things that Keaton Slovis did, you didn't see from JT. Now, JT, to give him the benefit of the doubt, surely could have been as good, if not better, than than Keaton Slovis last year. But we didn't have the luxury of seeing it. So the argument that JT was for sure better than Keaton is ridiculous. Because, like, we don't have the evidence because we didn't see it. I mean, I so could like, just as easily claim that USC wins eight games in 2018 if if Keaton Slovis is the quarterback. That claim is based on absolutely nothing, and it's stupid. Right. But that's the point. Yeah, like, 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 assuming that that JT is better than Keaton is just as bad as assuming he's not. So, I, I, I all I, I all I can say point. is that USC did not make a mistake in any way, shape, or form by. What having Keaton Slovis turn out to be really great in 2019 and JT Daniels opt to leave? 
every like like USC didn't tell JT to leave. JT saw the writing on the wall and left. Like everything you want USC to to promise JT Daniels the starting job over Keaton Slovis going into the season. No, JT saw the writing on the wall and left. Like USC didn't do JT dirty. Yeah, JT and- did himself dirty and decided to go compete for a national title with Georgia. Good for him. Like. And I know everyone wants to, to you know, rag on, on Clay Helton for his quarterback decisions and, you know, rightfully so since 2016 and whatnot, but there's nothing you can say that was mismanaged last year with the quarterbacks. Um, he, they, they picked JT. JT was the guy who was very good uh, in, in, in camp, his freshman season, won the job. And, you know, last, last camp uh, was very close, but he certainly didn't do anything to lose the job. And you look at the first half of the Fresno State game, he was very good in that offense. Um, very good in the first quarter. Second quarter was good, not as good as the first quarter, but still very good. Um, and so there was no... Yeah, you're, you're not going to throw Keaton Slovis out to the, to the Wolves in week one. That would have been a very ballsy decision. They went with JT for the right reasons. Um, but they did have the ballsy decision of putting J- Keaton Slovis at number two, which they didn't have to do. And when they did, Twitter was up in arms and uh, message boards were up in arms wanting to you know, cry foul for poor J- Jack Sears, how Jack Sears was wronged and all this stuff. But what happened? Keaton Slovis ends up being a freshman All-American, which means it validates the decision. That he uh, of him being at number two, and again, that's not to say that Jack Sears couldn't have been better. It's not to say that JT Daniels couldn't have been better if they were healthy. But you can't sit here and say that it was a bad decision by USC Spart, uh, or, or like it's just not worth arguing. Like Keen Slovis was really freaking good. Yeah, well, to deny that Keaton was really good is is what annoys me. Yeah. Also. And I know Kyle's not going to listen to our crap podcast, so maybe I'm not saying this to him. It is a him. crap podcast, to be I mean, fair. Like, to, he's not to, wrong. to be fair, to be fair. Uh, but uh, the thing about... I just want to get this out once and for all so that people can stop bringing it up because the people who bring it up never understand the Matt Fink take, take from the offseason last year. I said that Matt Fink was the person I preferred coming out of spring camp which objectively was crap for all quarterbacks involved. Keaton Slovis was up there with the rest of them, which spoke very poorly to the performances of the rest of them. JT didn't look that good. Jack Sears didn't look that good. By comparison, Matt Fink looked like he had at least a little bit of something going on uh, that wasn't uh, the 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 J- the Jack Sears interception uh, bonanza or the, the JT uh, scared in the pocket. Uh, but, but that situation. was at the end of spring. That was at the end of spring. At no point did I say that anyone but JT Daniels would be USC's starter going into the season. At no point did I say that Matt Fink would start over over JT Daniels going into the season. And you I didn't said, say he was better either. You I said, said you straight said up, I prefer his playing style to JT's. That's right. it. That's it. Right. That's it. And guess what? He was the starter, like everyone predicted. And like no one predicted, Keaton was the backup. So there you go. And Keaton was very good when he got called on. Yeah. Which and- validates the decision to have him at number two. Yes. And yeah. And as and as And good on as people- and good on Graham Harrell for seeing what he liked in a player right. and disregarding perception in in favor of his evaluation. 
which I think bodes extremely yeah. well for my trust of Graham Harrell. And good on, on them for not relying on seniority and automatically giving it to Sears and Fink to be the number two over Keaton Slovis, the young guy. Because clearly, Keaton formed the best out of all of them last year. Uh, mind you, again, we didn't have the luxury of seeing more JT or any Jack Sears. But all right, moving on. We'll, we'll stop discussing this. Uh, Saman, our pal from Traveler Hitch Thursdays, uh, said, What is your favorite parts of our DM group called Keely and the Flakes, which is our, uh, our, our private DM chat? With uh, the THT guys, uh, Saman, Kenny, and Will, along with you and me, and Keely Yor of USCFootball.com. What's your favorite part of that private chat? Uh, well, obviously it's Saman. Just Saman. You know, he's the, yeah, he's the one who asked, so you know, got to get my... Actually, Saman uh, explaining the miracle of his child's birth... <laughs> was something of a highlight. In details recently. that we didn't quite need. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> someone could call them the the the, the beauty of uh, of childbirth. Um, I'm still, depending I'm st- on your perspective. I'm still haunted by health class and watching that video. <laughs> I never had to watch any of those kinds of videos. Or if I did, the, I, the I, term I totally crowning sounds sounds as terrifying as, as it is. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Uh, my my favorite part of the the DM group is uh is is that it's our it's our safe space. Mm-hmm. We're millennials who need safe spaces, right? So yeah, something like space. that. An avocado toast, which is just disgusting. <laughs> gag, 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 gag. Uh, final one comes from Party at Nine Hundred One Bar on Twitter. Would you get original Tommies or In and Out? This is a great question. I'm ready to debate this. Because there's two answers here, but uh, take it away. Actually, there's only one answer. There's two. I mean, it's an it's an either or question. Uh, there, there's parameters I'm putting on it. All right, I would rather get in and out. Um, I do like Tommy's, but chili burgers are not always my cup of tea. And uh, I know that I, if I get an in and out burger, I know I'm going to be happy with it. Classic, uh, no questions asked, no frills, just good burger. All right, so am I getting just a sandwich? Uh, I'll take the In-N-Out burger because I don't like chili burgers, and original Tommy's burgers um, are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. They're good. Um, but I would take the uh, I'd take a 3x3 three three, uh, over uh, original Tommy's burger without chili. Uh, even though Tommy's burgers are very good, I would take the In-N-Out burger. I feel like three by three. I don't see the point of going to Tommy's if you're not getting a chili burger, though. That's that's fair. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Who goes and doesn't get fries? Insane weirdos. If you're not ordering fries at, at, at a burger place, you are a psychopath. And In-N-Out fries shouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't feed that to a dog. So if fries are involved here and it's burger plus fries, uh, which is the meal of, of any sane person... Then it's Tommy's because their burger is good, their fries are great, even without chili, and In-N-Out, which has a better burger, has horrific fries that don't even match up, and that ruins them and takes them down a peck, where Tommy's fries raise the burger to above 
in and outs um, as a meal. Nope. My 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 biggest. This is making me really crave In and Out fries. By the way, like I really want In and Out fries and a Neapolitan shake right now. I could go for a shake. Yeah, it's only eleven. We can drive. I mean, is that crazy? I'm down and down. Let's do it. All right, we gotta go. Uh, we'll be <laughs> back uh, next week. Uh, follow us on. You know where to follow us. You know the phone number two one three three seven three one eight seven two. Email address randofftroyatfansite.com. Uh, join us on Patreon. More bonus content over there as well. Patreon.com slash randofftroy. We'll be back next time. Only say final word. The final word is shake. As in, did you see the new, the Mexico City or the, the I don't know if it was in Mexico City or near it in Mexico, the, the earthquake videos? No. Holy crap. Speaking of Mexico City, I was just reading about uh, Zocalo. And, you know, the, the plaza, the Constitution or whatever in Mexico mm, City? Sure. The cathedral started being built in the 1500s. And I'm like, that is mind-blowing. Like, it makes total sense if you think about it. Mind-blowing, right? And then I looked up this list of, like, the oldest buildings in the Americas. There's these buildings in, like, these fortresses and stuff in the Dominican Republic that were built in, like, the 1520s. Damn. I just, for some reason, like, I just never, like, it, it, again, it makes total, like, that tweet about how uh, Martin Luther oh, King. Oh, yeah. Um, Anne Frank Anne and, Frank Barbara, and Walters. Barbara Walters. If they were all alive today, uh, and Barbara Walters is still alive, if they were all alive, they'd be the, as old as Barbara Walters, and you're like. Well, they were all born in the same year. Yeah, like, what? I mean, it makes sense. It's just something you don't think about. Yeah, just something your brain like sort of skips a beat on. But yeah. all right, let's go if get you, But if you can look up the the videos from Mexico, it was a rolling quake with like the pools going crazy, and there was this one video of like the road kind of like the crack in the road like expanding and contracting and shift. Like it was just crazy. Damn. Yeah. To look that up then. So all right. Uh, let us know what you guys think about our qu- our answers to all of our mailbag questions. Let us know your thoughts and your thoughts about the COVID. Uh, yeah, rest in peace, Max Turk. We'll see you next time. See ya. See ya. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.